Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Mind Muscle Connection. I'm Joe Klimzeski with Tyler Weeb. Today, we're going to talk about a topic, balance versus passion or balance versus even obsession. And uh, this is going to be a tough one, Tyler, because neither one of us is going to walk away feeling great about this because I, I think we both feel pretty obsessed about certain things, especially our career, fitness, health, nutrition. And yet to survive that, we've both had to at least check some boxes in making sure there's some balance. So there's so much to talk about. It's going to be tough to do this in 20 minutes, but what I'm going to frame this as, and then bring you in for your initial thoughts is if, if you even just ask the question, you know, is this pursuit I have, whatever it is, is it a healthy pursuit? Because that's good. Goal acquisition, passion, drive, determination, grit, resilience. We all want that. We, we buy those self-development books, but when is it potentially a problem? And, and I think the, the best place to go for the initial answer would be an addiction specialist. And so as I have talked to different mental health therapists, uh, even just being in the, the you know, arena with, with some of that information, I know that the most frequent answer I hear, and it makes a lot of sense, is that if something is harming you, is harming your occupation, harming your mental health, harming your health, or those of people around you, then there's probably a problem. And I'll give you a couple examples away from the health and fitness realm that we're gonna talk about because I think it gives a little bit better context. So let's say you have a shopping problem, quote unquote, or you're, you, know, you love to shop, but when is shopping an addiction or a problem? Well, it's a problem if you're racking up credit card debt, if, if it's all you think about. If, uh, as one of my friends, he was dating a woman who had an entire basement that looked like a warehouse. Like anything you could possibly own, she had 50 of them and didn't even know she owned them. Every time there was a sale or something, you know, she would just, well, I better get this, you know, just in case. And, and so that's when something goes from being an, an okay hobby, even, you know, you could be quite passionate about something to being painful or an addiction or an obsession. So when we, when we pull this into our realm, I, I know you and I both have a million clients we could talk about who have really struggled with this. You know, what do you think crosses the line? Where's, where's a client where you can say, okay, wait a second. I, I love what you're doing. I, I love that you're goal-driven, but you need to pump the brakes. You know, you're, something's going to go off the rails here. What, what, what kind of a client is that like? Yeah, I think a lot of the times, like what I'm looking for is a lot of that feedback from the client. How are they recovering? How are they feeling? How, you know, where's their biofeedback at? You know, are they wanting to do more and more and more despite them maybe already doing quite a bit. Uh, I can also maybe see it in ways where they are reporting back to me at their check-ins. You know, if we're constantly talking about that scale weight, and I'm sure we could dive very deeply into that and how that affects our psyche and how we can become obsessed you know, with this number on the scale. Um, and I think once you kind of start to see some of those things start to pop up or, uh, you know, they've dieted quite a bit in the past and, and they're obsessed with, you know, wanting to be at X number. I think that's when we kind of start to have that conversation of, okay, you know, where, you know, where is this coming from? Why are we so obsessed with wanting to get this number? Because 
I think once again, like, you know, we, I think we talked about that a little bit on the last podcast is the why, and that drives so much of this conversation around obsession of, okay, why are we getting to this? And I think just looking out for those type of things, and I'm, I'm sure I missed a couple, maybe another one would be, you know, can they even take a break from tracking their food intake for a few weeks? You know, how scary is that to them? And so I think it's really recognizing some of those things where it can maybe be easy to get obsessive with within the fitness industry without maybe even realizing, you know, or noticing that you are, you know, in that, in, in that obsessive. And so it's just about communicating with the client, making sure that you are getting that personal feedback from them and having that, very open, you know, trustworthy relationship with them. And by the time we get to the end of this conversation, I'm going to expand that a little bit and ask the person, our audience to maybe even have that conversation with their loved ones. You know, how do you perceive my relationship with this? Because I'll give you a couple examples. The, the client who can't even go out to eat socially with their friends or family, you know, okay, okay it's so-and-so's birthday. Our whole family is going to go out, but I'm just going to slam a protein shake in the car and then just sit at the table and not eat. Like, really? I mean, that you, you may be bordering on an obsession if you can't even function in that normal context. Um, you know, something like going on a family vacation, for example, and your kids are ready to go to Disney World and, and you know, where's mom or where's dad? Oh, they're in the gym for two hours because it's leg day and they can't miss it even on a vacation. You know, all of a sudden that question that an addiction specialist might ask, are you harming other people around you? Are they going to start really feeling resentful and, and despise this thing that you love because the people around you, friends and family, you want them to be your allies. You want to be perhaps a positive role model. But all of a sudden, if everybody starts hating what you're doing, uh, you know, it, it's certainly not going to help your social relationships uh, and, and you're going to do no good for them either. So it's really important, I think, to even ask other people and to check some of those behaviors. And, and, and in a very tangible way, you know, you think this through and maybe talk to other people you know, yes, Joe, I hear you, but Michael Jordan did that. That's how he became the best and so forth. So, you know, where is, how can I have that balance and still really be a super achiever? And I think that's where you have to really figure some things out logistically. And I'll even ask you because you now have a child and life has changed a lot for you, I know. And, and your wife has a career, you have a career. And all of a sudden you have a, a little bit less of that pie that you can call your own so at the same time, you still have just as much drive and passion for your, your own personal pursuits as a powerlifter, as a bodybuilder, as a weightlifter. So, so maybe just kind of personally, how are you trying to recraft that entire perspective? That's a very good question. I don't know even know if I have the full answer to that yet, as I'm still figuring that out. Progress, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I honestly, I think it's one of, it's one of the harder things I find that you know, we get can try and get people to figure out, especially when we're specifically talking about this fitness pursuit, as well as, you know, balancing life and, and everything that goes along with that, because you're right, unless you're, you know, really into it, it's hard for a lot of people to maybe understand what you're trying to accomplish. And there is a lot of insecurities around it. And so, you know, the individual I find has to really be able to find that balance for themselves because it's going to look different for every single person because every single person is also going to take this, you know, serious in, in different levels. Right. And so we have to, again, ask ourselves, okay, you know, what, what is the end goal of this? You know, is it 
to lose 20 pounds? Is it to be the next Jay Cutler? You know, it, you know, you're going to have different levels of the importance of, you know, how this is for, for people in their lives. And then people's lives are going to be a lot bit, lot different as well. You may just not be able to devote, you know, seven days a week, one hour to two hours, you know, a day to the gym that just may not be your life. And so I think it's realistically setting your expectations, adjusting your expectations, and really just looking at your life, seeing what is that priority and how are you going to be able to fit it within your life? And what is that balance going to look like for you? Because there is going to be pros and cons to each side of the coin, right? So someone might be perfect five days out of the week, but they might take that Friday, Saturday night to be a little less balanced or, uh, and have a little bit more fun. And they may be able to still get results on that, but are they going to get their optimal results? Maybe not, but that's a choice that we have to make. And we have to look at our choices and then the potential consequences of those and go, am I willing to make that choice? Am I willing to, you know, quote unquote, suffer the consequences of that choice in pursuit of this goal? Is it worth it? Right. Um, and so I think that is something that I've been really having to ask myself a lot lately, as I try and figure this out and, and try to figure out the balance of now having a kid, because yeah, it is the time that you have is, is gone as soon as that little one is around, which don't get me wrong. I am definitely not complaining. It's been one of the best experiences of my life so far, but you definitely have to learn to ebb and flow with life. And I think that's a very important thing as well, because life is going to change and it's going to you know, be really busy and, and then not maybe be as busy. And so to be able to identify and develop that skill of, okay, you know what? I've got extra time in my life right now. Let's, let's push the gas pedal a little bit. Oh, life just got busy. You know, things all of a sudden popped up out of my control sometimes. We can still back off the gas pedal a little bit. We can enter a maintenance phase. You still might be able to make some results on less as well. If you've been doing quite a bit for some time, all of a sudden recovery gets better. So that's something that I've really tried to not only as a coach push to clients, let's stop having this all or nothing mentality. Let's ebb and flow with life because that way we're going to be able to be consistent and continue to make progress. That's what's the most important because there's never going to be a perfect time in your life to start a diet. Shit's always going to happen. Life's always going to get busy. And so it's about how do we manage those times and still work on those small baby steps towards our goal. Well, one of the key words I want to pick up on, because what you just articulated was perfect, is, is expectation. And, and it really does depend on, on your stage of life. So uh, I had a client one time that I even recruited into town to work for a friend of mine. And, and, and I helped this client win a, a pro world champion. He's, he's one of the best bodybuilders that's ever graced a stage. And he was single. So you walked into his apartment in his living room. There wasn't a stick of furniture. It was just mirrors and lights. He, he just turned his, his entire apartment was a posing studio and, and he could, he could, he was okay with pursuing his passion, but yeah, I mean, sure. If he's married now with children, it's going to be different. And, and I have to say, that's where you have to gauge your expectations. And, and what you said so perfectly, Tyler, is look at that long arc of your career, of your goal, in the fact that if this is something you're going to do with longevity, I started training when I was 11 years old. And, and when I say training, I mean, I haven't missed a week intentionally since. I was, I was following splits from you know, Mr. Olympia Flex Magazine when I was 11 years old. So 40 years of training. 
And yet, even going through a professional bodybuilding career, it, it has, to use your phrase, ebbed and flowed. And, and I had a lot of passion, you know, early on for what my competitive career would look like. But eventually that became less important. You know, there was always that next rung to climb. And so when I became a pro and started working up the ladder, started, you know, uh, you know, beating a few people, started placing mid-pack, finally getting into a top five at a big show. Uh, you know, my, my kids, I have four children. My oldest was 12 at the time. And all of a sudden, my life with them started becoming more important to me. And, and all of the time I was able to invest in, in bodybuilding and, and fitness, it was just getting contracted. And so I had to make a decision. And, and frankly, it was pretty easy. I mean, there, there, that, that last contest prep I went through, I knew as I was going through it, this was going to be my last time competing because I was at this critical stage where my kids were becoming teenagers. The most important thing to me was being a father and, and the life development of my children, not, not winning a title. And so I, I enjoyed that last season. I put everything into it uh, and we enjoyed it as a family. And then I walked away. I still train just as much, just as hard. I, I still have goals. You and I worked out together just a couple of weeks ago, a couple of times. Like I still love everything that I started out in this industry loving, but it has evolved in my expectation bank because I've evolved, because my family's evolved, because life has evolved. And that's okay. That's how you deal with it. And I, I'm going to pitch this back to you, Tyler, but I'm going to say, I, I think how we can can deal with that with proper expectations and, and be happy with it is first understanding who we are. So out of all of the personality tests and exams and so forth, you can take online. The, the one that I think gets the most play right now is, is what's called the big five. So conscientiousness, neuroticism, inversion, extroversion. And I think it's like love of learning and curiosity. And, and so it's very, very hard for somebody who's high in neuroticism to let this go, because when you latch on to something, you sink your teeth in and you don't let go. And, and so you have to perhaps work on some of these things. But if you know what your personality traits are, you can realize, yeah, this this may be harder for me than other people. But if you don't step away and evaluate what's truly good for you, what brings you the most satisfaction and contentment in all of your life, not just this one piece, and how that is going to impact those people around you, you're going to regret it. You're going to, you're going to do some things that, that you're going to look back and say, man, I was definitely a little myopic and, and totally missed the ball on that one. Yeah. I, I mean, that, I think that said very well, I think it's, you know, maybe just to put some other words to it. It's, we have a hard time seeing that 30,000 foot view of, of our, you know, of our life and of our trajectory and, and of where we want to take things. And we so focus on just the immediate, part of our lives because that's just right in front of us and it's totally understandable how we do that but i think yeah just being able to take that step back look at you know how is this going to affect my life how is this going to affect the ones around me i mean i know for my my very first prep you know <laughs> you you have to be obsessive with that prep you have to have a certain level of of, of obsession and we didn't realize how much of a toll it could take, you know, on a relationship and, and how much you might alienate, you know, the people around you as you go through something like this. And so, 
you know, again, just having that experience and then being able to talk with someone, you know, in your life that maybe has a little bit more of a, you know, an objective viewpoint, because when you're prepping and and have that level of obsession, you're in it, right? It's, you got your blinders on, you're just moving forward. You're literally, you are hoping you can take one step in front of the other at some point. Um, and so, yeah, just, just to be able to understand that and have those trust points in your life can be absolutely huge to, you know, for someone to go, Hey, you know what, this might be getting to be a little bit too much because yeah, like I said, it is very hard for us to sometimes to see that whole picture when we're thick into that maybe obsession. Well, I'm, I'm going to pull out the best answer that you've already given and you may not even know <laughs> you, you just nailed it right on the head, but then I'm going to ask everybody a question to kind of reflect on. What you said, Tyler, you know, I started out speaking kind of addiction therapy and addiction counseling. I want to go to more of a marriage counseling side, because when you talked about being able to throttle back and forth in your intensity based on what life is doing, this is where discussing these things with other people come into play, because just like in a marriage or relationship, you know, there's a concept called marital individuation. And uh, it's, it's, it's quite profound because it gets into how you even view this relationship and the fact that you have two people that are completely autonomous, completely independent people, but then you overlap in this relationship. And so in that autonomous part, what, you know, things you like, things your spouse or your partner likes and so forth, you have to be able to give each other that space. And so if 24 seven, 168 hours a week, it's all about me and you've got to respect my passions, the things that I'm you know, thrilled about, then you've already lost the ball game and you're never going to have great you know, support around you because people will always despise you. But if you can say, okay, you know, hey, honey, I just need this. Here are my workout times. Here's my schedule this week. You know, I, I know I'll watch the baby during these weeks and I'll let you do your things this week, but, but here's what's really important to me. So how can we make this work? So, so we're, we're all happy. And yet I can definitely put the throttle down. It, you know, I can redline this thing as far as I want. I can be as passionate as I want. But then there are times I have to let other people in my life do the same thing. And I, I need to be able to respect that and back away. So, you know, again, it does come down to some logistical and time management. But more than anything, it's just the communication so that you and everybody around you literally have those expectations. Because if it were something else. You know, if you had uh, if you had diabetes or something, and so you had a very uh, strict diet you had to follow, nobody would be angry about that. Nobody would be angry that you can't eat these foods. They would just make that allowance. And so, I, I think it's critical that we just understand each other and move forward like that. So, one of the things I want to leave with Tyler, and I'm going to let you have the last word on this, is, is just knowing that you can have your cake and eat it too. For example, you can. You can literally, you know, just just be as passionate as you want, but within the the expectation framework that you share with other people, let's let's ask this one big question: Why is this even such a passion for you? Is it something that you feel you have this need? Is it part of an identity that may not even be healthy? I'll give you an example. So I was talking earlier about um, um, you know different personality tests, and, and Dr. Seligman and Peterson wrote wrote the book, literally wrote the book on personality psychology and positive psychology, and you have to know your strengths and so forth and, and why you act the way you are. But one of the things that Seligman just wrote recently is something called the Hope Circuit, and he really talks about even just goal pursuit and learned optimism. 
the things that we're doing, are we doing it in the fitness world, in our professional careers, in, in the, the, the health and fitness industry, maybe in a, in a bodybuilding physique sport pursuit? Is it truly for the pure joy of it? You have to really sort that out. Is this something that is just giving you a false hope that you can become something else or is it really satisfying something you love? And that's where for me, Tyler, uh, I kind of answered that question in the fact that when I was able to walk away from the sport as a competitor, you know, goals met, went as far as I wanted, it was fun. I'm still just as passionate about other parts, but it, it's okay to let that part of the identity go away and replace it with something even better. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and uh, hopefully I won't go too long on, on the answer here. I think we all, we all start from a position of insecurity. I think, I think that's almost a, a 100% guarantee. Now, I, obviously it's impossible to study and truly know, but I know for myself and, and most clients, it's, I want to lose body fat. I want to look better. I want to be comfortable in my own skin. Hell, that was why I started when I was 15. I was some scrawny little kid, unpopular, and just you know, wanted to be popular, jacked and, and, and all of that. But over the years of doing that, that certainly does wear out. You do kind of, whether it's just consciously, unconsciously, I believe that at least for myself, you know, that part is, it's still there. Like that, that may never go away is that's part of my insecurities of, of growing up, but it becomes a very, very small aspect of it. And now, you know, what it has become for me is a dedication to the process of doing something day to day that seems so minute and seems, you know, boring in a sense that is going to result in results down the road. And it's more so that that pursuit of learning how to be dedicated to a goal. And I think that is what can transfer into other people into other areas of your life as well, because it's, Hey, if I can be you know dedicated for this, I can eat the same boring food each day. I can go do the same gym routine for, you know, for two years, but you know, what have you, man, there's a, probably a whole lot of other things that you're able to probably apply that dedication to. And, and that's what I really try and stress to clients is, is, let's enjoy this process. Like that, this is, this is what it's about, right? Again, I, using that paint drying analogy, this, this is where the magic happens and this is where you're going to get that results. And so let's learn that dedication to a goal and start to pursue that goal with that dedication. It's a learning process and it's a process where you can take those steps to not only just achieving a physique, but you know, I'm a big believer in, in becoming a better, better overall person because it does take a lot of time and patience. It's a very much delayed gratification sport and pursuit. And you have to be willing to put kind of your expectations on a, you know, on a different trajectory than you typically think, you know, when someone's like, Oh, one year, yeah, you can definitely do something in a year. Like, don't get me wrong. You can, not almost recognize yourself after a year, but it's still going to take a lot of time to probably truly get to where you, you know, you have that little picture in your mind. We all have this ideal picture of what we want to look like in our mind, whether it's re realistic or not. And so to be able to learn that delayed gratification, I think um, is one of the most important lessons that you can take from, from this pursuit. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up with a word that you alluded to, which is just evolution. When you said to be able to take those skills and transfer them to other things, uh, as I gave an example of my life of 40 years in the sport, 
it's it has evolved. It, it, it continues to bring me satisfaction, contentment, pleasure. But as you said, it's it has evolved in, into different things and, and different goals. And yet to be able to still be OK with that and allow your identity to evolve, it, it takes a lot of even internal communication, just like I talked about communicating with other people around you. And so we'll leave you guys with that. It's just, you know, understand that you're not doing this in a vacuum. You're going to have impact on other people. You're also going to have impact on your future self. And so I think you owe it to your future self to know that you're investing these years and the amount of time and resources into something that you're really going to enjoy then. So because that's that's the first step. Get get out of the present for just a moment and, and think about how you're impacting even yourself down the road. And uh, Tyler, thanks again. Uh, we, we are going to bring you guys some more great heavy topics. I think they're heavy. I think they're really important, great life things to learn. But we will see you next time in the Mind Muscle Connection.